Our April shows will take place on the 10th in San Diego and the 18th in Denver. We hope to see you there. But if you're one of our podcast listeners who isn't in Denver or San Diego, we just want to let you know how much we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And please reach out via email or Facebook sometime. We'd love to hear from you. Next storyteller. All right, next storyteller. It's next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrator's Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrator's, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Jeremy Bauer told this story, his first ever at the Narrator's, in February 2018 at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego. The theme was warning signs. All right, so it was um, it was it was a cold morning. I remember that it was October, but we hadn't yet turned the heat on for the season. We were living in Washington D.C. at the time, and sometimes the summer weather would go into the fall. So, uh, but not not that morning. Uh, my dog Hershey would normally get up, really excited to see me when I woke up, and uh, that morning she didn't. I walked over to see what was wrong, and. Uh, not only was she not getting up to go for her walk, but she wasn't even standing up. It was uh, it was pretty clear something was wrong. Hershey was my uh, my Peace Corps dog. I I got her in Nicaragua. I never had a dog before. Uh, never had a dog before Peace Corps. But um, in fact, she wasn't my. Uh, she was the third of uh, three dogs I had in in Nicaragua. And had I listened to the the warnings of the first two of maybe I shouldn't have dogs, um, I. Would, oh. Never would have, never would have gotten her. The um, the first one, uh, Misha, affectionately named for uh, Michigan, my my home state. Um, after our three months of Peace Corps training, there were a few of us that were uh, really interested in getting dogs. We thought it'd be good to get through our service, someone to keep us company. And um, one of them was really interested in having a boxer in particular. I was open to that. I wasn't uh, married to having a boxer, but I thought, oh, why not? So towards the end of our training, when um, a local breeder had a litter of boxers available, uh, one of them let us all know, and we, we all went for it. Uh, it turned out to be a, a, a pretty cursed litter, uh, unfortunately. So uh, the first one, uh, my friend Kate, she got a, a caoba. She named it after its color. Caoba means uh, mahogany in Spanish, so that deep, rich color. After um, many weeks of, of sicknesses and hundreds of dollars of surgery, uh, we lost Kaoba. Um, Misha, uh, my dog, I got it all at shots. I fed it well. Everything seemed to be going fine. But uh, one day, uh, she stopped eating. Uh, the next day, she, she stopped drinking and was having trouble breathing. And then uh, I remember... That, that night, she wasn't even uh, lying down to sleep. I could hear her panting. So the next morning, I took, got her on the bus. So this, this town I was in was a, a pretty rural area of Nicaragua, uh, two hours from the closest city. So we hopped on the bus, and she actually, she actually died in my lap. I can remember holding her and her taking her last breath and uh, passing away right there. And then uh, the third dog of that litter, uh, my friend London's dog, tra- tragic, most tragic of them all, I, I think, uh, survived the entire two years, and then London went. Uh, she went with some friends, which was um, at the end of our Peace Corps service, to travel back by land from Nicaragua back to the states, which was a popular thing to do for Peace Corps volunteers in Nicaragua. So she sent her dog up to uh, to meet her family. Uh, she flew it up 
Family met it at the airport, took it home. Before London got back to the States, the dog had ran away from the house and got hit by a car in true um, Final Destination fashion. So I went back to my, my town and I was pretty, pretty upset. A neighbor of mine thought, oh, this will make you feel better, decided to give me a, a puppy. This was clearly one of the uh, many litters that um, many a morning in Nicaragua, in my town, you'd see a couple dogs stuck together. Um, you do the math. So they were often litters, and I thought, I, I wasn't really ready for another dog, but I thought, this dog needs a home, it needs to be fed, and if, if not me, it, it, may not, it may not survive. It needs someone to take care of it. So I took it on, and uh, my neighbors sort of teased me. They called it Feito, which means little, little ugly one. I think that was in contrast uh, to the fact that I had a, a, a dog, De Raza, a purebred before, but um, they, they held it ugly, but I took care of it, I fed it well, and before long it wasn't, it wasn't ugly anymore. They were actually complimenting me on the dog, um, and then one day it didn't come home. <laughs> one of the neighbors said, uh, thought, oh, what a beautiful dog. Um, well, as it turns out, it was a family that would babysit for me, and they, uh, they, they really loved it, and they thought they would just lure into the house with food one day and, and test it out as their own. Um, they loved it. There was a kind of a weird way of showing it, but um, <laughs> in any way, I, I limited my uh, emotional investment in that dog. And in the end, uh, I, I did end up giving the family that dog. But before that, um, my, my best friend, in, my best Nicaraguan friend during my service, he had a, a really good-looking dog. It was, I think, part pit bull, part, part mutt. And we always joked that if that dog ever had puppies, he would give me one, uh, mo mostly in jest, but um, then one day it did get pregnant. And uh, before long, one day he knocked on my door and had a little bundle of joy in his hands, uh, about the size of a grapefruit. Um, much smaller than we get puppies in the States, because uh, there are laws here that uh, you, you can't adopt a puppy before, I think, eight weeks or so. Anyway, he was, he was worried about his dog, which through all the nursing was getting really thin, so he wanted to get... I give give away the puppies as soon as possible. So I took Misha. Um, I took some photos. I have one of her in my boot. And she was so small. Um, although she was so small, I actually lost her that first night. She she <laughs> she escaped through the the front gate. Um, but I found her later that night. She was uh, just hidden in a bush, whimpering, and I, I didn't really let her out of my sight for the next couple of weeks till she was old enough uh, to take care about herself a little bit better. Uh, I fed her well. Got her shots. She, she did get sick a couple times, but I was not going to lose another one. I uh, would damp, damp in little pieces of kibble and feed her one by one, make sure she was okay. Uh, as she got older, we would go hiking. Um, one time during the rainy season, uh, the river in the town where we would bathe, she, she did get carried away by a strong current, but um, out of the line of sight. But she found her way back to home. She really became my best friend there. We would go uh, walking through the town. She really helped me to make, make friends in the town. It was an excuse to talk with the neighbors, practice my Spanish, uh, become part of the community. She also kept, um, kept away the drunks or the would-be thieves from the house. And then uh, you have to picture this town. It's a rural town. There's no maintained streets. These are dirt trails and um, random houses. It's not a city as you think of them here. So she would keep the, ch the chickens and pigs away from my house. She would kill the rats. Um, I have another story about rats for another time. Some of you have heard it. Anyway, um, she really became my best friend. So when it was time to leave Nicaragua, uh, I, I decided I was going to bring her home with me. Many volunteers had done it. Uh, there was a, actually a brochure in the Peace Corps volunteer office in Managua. 
told you all the steps you had to take, the shots you had to give them, the uh, vets you had to go to, and all the paperwork. So I, I did the paperwork. I brought her home. And um, what's funny is that uh, as hard as Peace Corps was, many, many volunteers can attest to this, that it's actually, it can be much harder to actually come back to the States and readjust to U.S. life. And I think similarly, um, you hear that from, I think, vets as well, that coming back from service can be really hard. But Hershey was my uh, my consistency in a very transitional time. And she, uh, she really made it easier while I was in Peace Corps, but also easier to come back. And she really would change the course of, of my life. We, um, I looked for a job. I found one in Washington, D.C., where we moved. And we found a dog park, uh, but none of the other dogs would play with Hershey. This um, rough immigrant dog didn't, <laughs> didn't know her father until <laughs> so she met uh, a 90-pound 90, 90 boxer named Parker who wouldn't put up with her bullshit. <laughs> so uh, Parker, Parker's caretaker and I met that, that June, and by, uh, by November, we started dating, um, and we, we've, been, we've been together ever since. Uh, some people say that when our mission on earth is completed, that God calls her back. I don't know if I believe that, but I, I do know I wasn't ready to give Hershey back that uh, that cold October morning. Uh, so Jason and I went. Uh, we, we took Hershey to the to the vet's office, and it was uh, they told us she had a, a ruptured spleen and they needed to operate. Um, I was a 25 year old. I didn't have a dime to my name, but of course I. Gave them approval to go forward with the surgery. They um, they said it was going to be a while, so they told me to go back, go to work, um, get it off my mind. So I, I we left. Um, I went back to work. I was a mess. I was, of course, thinking about Hershey the whole time. But they uh, they called me a few hours later. They said um, we did surgery. Hershey's Hershey's fine. You can come in and and see her. I was so relieved. About 10 minutes later, they called me again and told me that um, Hershey had a stroke and that they were doing CPR and uh, she wasn't responding and that even if she comes back, she would uh, probably have so much brain damage I wouldn't recognize her. And they asked me if I would give them permission to stop doing the CPR um, and that also if I wanted to come in anyway to, to say goodbye. She was so peaceful when I saw her they had wrapped her in a blanket to cover her wounds. Her eyes were closed, and um, she was still warm when I hugged her that, that last time. I was really holding it together um, until when I saw the line item on the bill for the dog recovery cone. I, I broke down and told them, I don't think she needs us anymore. And they, um, they took the bill back. And they said, we'll, we'll follow up. Yeah. After four weeks, um, I thought, oh, maybe uh, there's a money-back guarantee. <laughs> but no, they, uh, the bill came, and um, I paid it. Two weeks after that, I got a, a nice thank you note that told me that, uh, thank you for paying your bill in full. Because of uh, your willingness to do so, we are now able to, to help those who cannot pay their bill. And um, I didn't know that was an option, but uh, now, now you know. The cruel reality of bringing dogs into our lives is that they feel like our children, but we will almost always outlive them. 
they depend on us. They love us unconditionally, um, and they really do complete us. And that's why, um, despite some warning signs to the contrary, I will always have dogs in my life. The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our assistant producer is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Illegal Pete's, Sexy Pizza, From the Hip Photo, and Renegade Brewing Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, and for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening.